I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real-world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Welcome, welcome, folks. Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. Got a great guest for you today. A friend of mine, Nathan Keller. We were introduced several years ago by Brandon Dempsey, who you'll recognize from episode three. Uh, Nathan, I know you've been up to a lot lately, had a few changes. Uh, please take a minute and introduce yourself. Tell us what you're up to. Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Nathan Keller. I'm born and raised in St. Louis. I grew up actually. Uh, kind of all over the place in the St. Louis area, but uh, professionally started off um, with Enterprise Rent-A-Car uh, fairly early on. I uh, worked with them throughout my college years uh, doing uh, basically uh, vehicle service attendant uh, type stuff. So, so carporting, washing cars, that sort of thing. Uh, worked my way up uh, th- uh, through Enterprise, did an internship with them through their management trainee program. Um, that I did over a summer, over a few summers, and then actually uh, continued that internship into uh, a few semesters of college as well. Uh, when I got out of school, when I graduated, I, uh, I talked to uh, the folks over at Enterprise. Uh, the HR director over there at the time uh, was a manager of mine uh, when I first started out, and, um, and they basically... Um, offered me a position of uh, basically going straight into management or getting into car sales, which were um, uh, from a hierarchy perspective at the same level, uh, went into car sales um, just because it, it was a, a decision that I probably didn't think enough about at the time, but uh, got into car sales and did that for uh, approximately 30 days. <laughs> uh, did well, but at the same time, it was uh, it was car sales and it was not not a very comfortable, uh, comfortable area for me, uh, despite uh selling a lot of cars in, in a very short amount of time. Um, from there, I actually uh, took some time off uh, a couple weeks and uh, and wanted to find kind of that, uh, what I was going to consider really my first job out of college, aside from, from enterprise um, or away from that enterprise family. And uh, found a job uh, through a friend uh, or friend's family uh, with a local uh, steel company, steel distributor, um, as an inside sales rep. Uh, basically, I was on the phone with uh, uh, oil and gas companies, uh, basically starting from Louisiana, southern Louisiana, and going stretching all the way to uh, New Mexico, uh, and would speak with their operators and, and try to get um, basically steel, uh, sell steel pipe and, and, uh, and tubing to, uh, to their, their oil programs. Um, from there, went to... Uh, um, did that for, for approximately nine months, uh, did fairly well, but the inside role was, uh, was not one that I, I particularly liked. Uh, I didn't mind being on the phone. I, I credit, uh, my boss at, at the, uh, steel pipe company, um, for really teaching me how to get on the phone, how to, you know, just really make sure you're, you're getting your, your calls and, you know, and, uh, and really concentrating on, 
hey, you need to make a, a good amount of contacts before you make any sort of headway with any one given prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it was not a lot of formal training in it. It was more, hey, you're going to pick up the phone, you're going to dial, and, and I'm going to listen to your calls. I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right and, and how we can kind of correct things. Um, and like I said, it, it was uh, something that I was uncomfortable doing, but but over time got more and more comfortable on the phone. But at the same time, I, I wanted to have uh, more interaction with uh, face-to-face interaction with, with my prospects. So I decided that, that it was time to potentially start looking. Um, I wasn't um, you know, I, I was beginning to put feelers out there, but wasn't on a, on an exact job hunt when uh, when a consultant uh, that I knew was uh, was working in an HR capacity with a company by the name of Contigix, uh, a local uh, managed hosting and co-location uh, company in downtown St. Louis, and I interviewed with uh, their CEO Matthew Porter uh, and hit it off with him, especially since, uh, you know, a guy that went from car sales to, uh, to steel sales, um, and now getting into, uh, the, the technology world, I flat out told him in an interview that, uh, you know what, I don't, don't know the first thing about technology. And he looked me right in the eye and said, you know what, I have enough geeks. I need someone that's just going to be able to, to make contacts and, and get in touch with people. Um, and that's, that's what I did. You know, I, I really, uh, it was a company at the time that was 15 people, um, I think 15 or 16 people, the first salesperson. Um, and, and I got to kind of build my own sales process with that. They were doing a lot of uh, blind quoting, just putting numbers together without qualifying and that sort of thing. And, uh, and I really, really enjoyed that, that process with that. No, you've touched on a couple of things there that, uh, that are exciting for, for me. And I think the, that our, our listeners here are going to identify with. Um, uh, one that I want to kind of continue the thread is, man, you've changed industries three times from selling cars to selling steel to, to technology <laughs> services. Um, and the other is a lack of formal training probably around most of it. Um, mm-hmm. And the idea that you got to show up and you got to show up every day and part of your your work is the training, and part of your training is the work, right. and the grind is what makes you better. Right. Uh, I mean, that's what we're all about here at the Hardway MBA. I mean, you you it's in the name, right? We're gonna get uh, a world class business education in the world by doing, right. and that's uh, I mean, that's how you've learned. That that's that's absolutely right. The only place of uh of the first three places that I've worked uh, professionally that I received any sort of formal training would have been enterprise. And obviously you know, yeah. most people know that enterprise is, is really known for their training programs and bringing people right. up and, and making them, um, you know, grind and, and learn and, and succeed and fail and, and that sort of thing. And that's uh, the biggest thing I took away from enterprise and, and something that I was able to apply at, at every place I've been that, since then. Um, you know, you mentioned it as far as, you know, the grind and, and I admit, uh, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, and I hope most people would, that, that failure is the biggest part of learning <laughs> on the job, you know, knowing, you know, when you mess something up, how, how do you correct that? And, and, and looking for feedback around you saying, okay, I did this, I did this incorrectly. Um, you know, where, where did I misstep? And, and, you know, if you, it's relying on the people around you and, and that's the biggest, uh, another big point when you are, uh, you know, 
looking at changing careers or something along those lines that you, you really need to pay attention to. Of, of, you know what? Are the people around me going to be able to help me out? Because I will fail. Um, and, and that's that's one of the key indicators of saying whether you're going to be a good fit somewhere. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little more. The 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 industry changes. So just from seeing, you know, from knowing you for the past few years, um, I see you in the technology space. You've been successful. Mm-hmm. So you, you've you've gone from selling cars. You didn't do it for very long, but you know that was something you had some success with. Um, you sold steel, and it sounds like you found some success there as well. And and then get into technology. What's allowed you to to make those transitions. I mean, if you think if you think 10 years ago or even less, um, people talked about career transitions and changing industries as if it was impossible. Right. Um, and yet you in a pretty young career have found a way to do it three times and be successful in all three places. What are some of the, the things that you've looked at and said, yeah, I can make this jump because of that? And then what have been some of the surprises that, that you've noticed along the way? And you're like, crap, I'm glad I'm glad I found that. Because <laughs> uh, that uh, that was important. Yeah. Um, so the the biggest thing with with a career change is you know one you, it has to be a very you know calculated change. Um, you know you and, and I think there needs to be a lot of uh, self reflect reflection before you do it because I think there's a lot of people that probably jump to the next um, job or, or industry uh, thinking, oh, you know, I was successful one place, I, I don't know, or I, I can automatically be successful somewhere else. You have to know how, why you were successful in a place. Um, and for me, you know, moving from, you know, from car sales to uh, steel sales to, to IT was, you know, what, what, what am I good at? And, and part of it was, you know, being able to pick up the phone and call people or, or just, you know, getting, uh, getting meetings with folks and, and that sort of thing. And, and I took that from, you know, a, a, an industry in steel sales where I was on the phone all the time. And I got really good at getting the, the first meetings and, and kind of uh, nurturing those opportunities and, and getting them closed. Um, and when I made a jump to the technology side, um, you know, I was looking at at, uh, at our CEO at, at Contigix and, and, and saw him, you know, he was very, very bogged down. He was the only one doing sales and he was doing everything, pretty much everything through email. And I, I kind of told him, I said, you know what, if someone's going to email in asking for pricing, but they're not willing to take a phone call, then that is not a qualified prospect. Uh, because if they're looking to invest, you know, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they're not willing to pick up the phone and talk about what they're really in need of or where their pain points are or anything along those lines, then we shouldn't even bother responding to it. And that's kind of the, the path I took was to say, listen, you know what, if you're, if you want to do business with me and I want to do business with you, we need, let's have a conversation. Let's, you know, it's a matter of getting to know each other because, you know, it is especially in, in today's world where so much of, of our businesses, technology, and, and even, you know, the non-technology industries, um, you know, everything's able to be commoditized because of, of mm-hmm. the internet. You know, everybody can price shop everything wherever they want. Um, but you need to find a way to break that down and, and drive value through your products. And, and what that means is you need to you need to have connections with those prospects. Out there. If someone's not willing to connect with you or, or talk to you or give you the time of day and they just want to price shop, then they're probably not worth your time. Um, especially if you're selling something that's, 
you know, of higher value of, uh, you know, in which they're going to be getting, uh, you know, getting more value out of your product than they will, you know, your competitors. Um, you know, don't, don't waste your time on, on the bad prospects that aren't going aren't, aren't to give you the time of day that you need. Right. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, you go from car sales to steel and both of those are highly commoditized. I mean, very. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like they're the definition of commoditized industries. Right. And right. then and then you come into this technology space and you're seeing people um, uh, who run the company encouraging uh, by their by their lack of uh, their lack of communication or their lack of doing otherwise. Um, encouraging the commoditization of what they're selling and knowing Contigix the way I did. Um, it's not a commoditized, I mean, you're not talking about Amazon. Um, right. Right. And, and, and let's uh, just to clarify that, you know, they, they were unintentionally commoditizing. It. Yes. Um, you know, because the, 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 the two owners were extremely busy just keeping up the other ends of the company. Um, right. And, and yeah, it, it was, it was certainly different, you know, but, uh, it was, you know, knowing that, especially at that time, um, you know, Amazon was ha had a presence, but it was still, you know, we're going six years back at this point. You know, the hosting and cloud computing world what it wasn't what it is today necessarily. Um, that you know, you could really, really springboard some value and and show that to uh, to to your prospects out there. Um, and it was just a matter of making sure that they were that they were in it to to get value. You know that they were looking to uh, solve a true issue as opposed to just buy a product that was going to be a, a you know a cost for the company. You know they they needed to be able to see some sort of ROI on what they were getting. You know, um, and that's that's really what we did with Contigix, and we got and we we did a uh, when I was there a hell of a job doing it. Uh, you know we got a lot of a lot of deals closed at the time. Yeah. And, so, and they're and they're still still doing so. So, and I and I got to imagine that they're using your framework uh, that you brought to them. So, uh, the, of sales, the sales framework and your process to continue to drive that kind of value for their clients, and that's what lets them close that kind of business. Absolutely. That's so, a couple of things that I'm going to pull out of that uh, that conversation about changing industries. The first thing you said, uh, self reflection. Um, it sounds to me like my dad once told me, as I was considering an industry change myself, he said, you can change, you can do whatever you want, but make sure you're heading towards something and not running away mm. from where you're at. So that self-reflection, not just jumping ship and, and thinking through why you're doing it, um, is that part of that? Making sure that you're making a move for uh, for the right reasons and that you're walking towards something instead of running away from the other. Yes, absolutely. It, it, you know, in any opportunity and uh, I think our, our fathers were probably in, in the same line of thought with this is, you know, if you're going to move on to somewhere else, make sure you're going to, to a place where you're going to one, be able to contribute and contribute quite a bit. And two, you're, you're going to build something. You know, you're going to build a company or you're going to, uh, to you know, really bolster something up for, for wherever you're moving to. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of my big reasons for the move over to, uh, to ATV was, uh, you know, I had been at Contigix for five years and, and left there on absolutely fantastic terms. I still talk with, uh, with Matthew Porter quite a bit. And, uh, 
but you know, after five years, I, you know, it was, it, it, it was, I probably took it as far as I probably could with mm-hmm. given my abilities. And I wanted to go somewhere where I could go one, go do that again and push myself even a little bit further than where I could in teachings. And right. um, that's how I landed with ATP is, you know, ATP is, is much in the same spot now as Contigics was when I, when I found them. Um, where it's, you know, they have a solid business here. They're growing tremendously, but they're growing so much off of referrals um, that, you know, they, they need they need to be proactive in this market. Uh, you know, we're a, a managed service provider, uh, you know, essentially outsource IT. We have uh, based solely in St. Louis. Our, our guys are constantly out in the field and, and, and with our customers, you know, doing upgrades, cleaning stuff up for maintenance, you know, and, acting as that entire IT department for our customers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of other players in this market. Um, so we need to differentiate ourselves. We need to be very proactive in how we go about there. That means, you know, from the marketing side, which there's not a lot of marketing done uh, with our other small, you know, the shops like ours, which are small competitors or small players in this area. Um, and, and being, you know, taking that proactive approach and getting out market and telling people what you do and how you do it and how you're different um, and and having having that passion behind it because unfortunately I think with IT there's a lot of people that just kind of say you know it's it's a cost center uh, yeah and and that's what, what we go out and say you know what we're it's not a cost center we you know we can show an ROI we can we can help you leverage technology that will benefit your business moving forward Right. That's and that's what we strive for. And that's, you know, and that was a big thing that sold me uh, on on coming over here with these guys and and them saying we this is our message. You know, this is how we want to do things. But we need someone that's going to get out there and kind of do that for us, you know, and and get those connections and leverage, you know, leverage my own network of, of contacts and then, you know, get a marketing team on board so we can really put ourselves out in that market. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's what we're doing here, but that's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing to do, especially when you've been around for a while and and worked solely on those referrals, but you need to, you know, that's how you, you know, growing up referrals is an incredible thing. If a company can do that, that's absolutely fantastic. But if you can add in that proactive approach to it, you're, you're going to really, really start kicking ass in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. So how long have you been at ATB? Uh, Just about three months. Okay, so when I uh, one of the posts on on the Hardway MBA blog, probably the post that's gotten the most attention, is a, a 30, 60, 90 day launch plan for new business development uh, reps that I posted three or four or five months after uh, after joining my current company, um, mm-hmm. and and it kind of came in retrospect. I, I wish I could have written it all beforehand, but you've kind of <laughs> you've been to Contigix five or six years ago. Um, kind of came in when they had very little sales framework or process. I, I just think of it as, as framework. It includes process. It includes, uh, you know, several things. The uh, And now you're you're taking what you learned there uh, to a, a, sli- a slightly different business, still in the technology mm-hmm. space, and, and bringing that to them. And I would imagine also in your first three months learning uh, a lot, to add to it, what uh, if you were to talk to somebody who was just starting, say, next Monday in mm-hmm. a new sales role, what uh, 
what are some of the keys that you would say, make sure you focus on these things in your first, your first three months? So first three months, especially if we're breaking it down to that 30, 60, 90 is, you know, that first month you really need to be taking time. And especially for a new sales role is learning the business that you're in, learning about your competitors, learning about, you know, the company that you just joined, you know, you're through that interview process, you'll, you'll learn a lot about them and you'll do your own research, but until you're really on board, you, you probably don't know the ins and outs and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's one of the key focuses, I think, in those first 30 days of saying, okay, I need to get to know the people internally. I need to get, especially in technology, where you're doing, where you have a, a support team that is essentially, essentially your product. You know, take take the hardware that we sell and, and you know, the licensing that we sell and, and take that out of the equation. What you're really selling is, is your people, you know, the guys, the, the experts, and getting to know them and what they do well what they don't do well. and, and if there is anything um, you know hopefully there's there's very few of uh, uh, of the latter but um, you know knowing the strengths and, and weaknesses of the company and, and where things really excel and a lot of that is you know talking to people internally looking at the current clients uh, going you know one of the first things I did we have a, 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 a guy that came on that I worked with previously but he's been with ATB for a few more months than I have and he's kind of the you know, key account guy um, with already established accounts. And he has a very good tech uh, technology background, but it's, you know, it's shadowing that person. Hey, you're going out and meeting with these customers. I want to go, I'm going to sit there and be quiet. I'm not going to ask many questions, but I want to know, I want to get some feedback. You know, I want to go on the, on the good customer calls. I want to go on the bad customer calls. I want to know everything about what's going on. And that's really in that, those 30 days mm -hmm. uh, of really kind of digging in and figuring things out. Um, you know, within those uh, those 60 days, and it kind of depends on, on how big of a company someone's moving over to. But, you know, it, it's, you know, you're going to start making your calls and, and leveraging the, the network that you've established or if you have a call list or a company list. But it's, uh, you know, one, you have to know the right type of customers that you're going after or who you should be going after. And uh, and, and really, you know, getting in front of those people and hopefully uh, in a lot of ways that, you know, if, if someone whatever uh, company someone's moving on to. Hopefully there's some good marketing behind it as well because that, that, that doesn't close deals, but it, it can it can help open doors every now and then, uh, you know, as far as just providing that information, the, in, the industry information, you know, anything along those lines, uh, you know, that, that someone can kind of work with that marketing and know the, the marketing pieces and how to present them, where to present them, and, and what, you know, and if that, you know, if there's a full marketing department, hey, what, what event should I be going to? What event should we, you know, if depending on the autonomy you have within the company, but what, what event should we think of sponsoring, you know, uh, all those things. And then, um, you know, within, within the 90 days, it's, you know, it's really making sure that, that you're understanding the sales process of that company, you know, of, Hey, you know, how many, within those 90 days, you need to start talking about the, the metrics behind it. You know, how many meetings do I need to have before I should be sending out proposals before, you know, we should be doing follow-ups and, and really when, when should we be closing deals? You know, um, I think the biggest change for me is, uh, you know, things at Contegics, I think everything moved at a, you know, a little bit quicker close, but they were also uh, probably smaller deals, higher in volume. Um, and then moving over to Amanda's service provider, it's, you know, you're talking about longer relationship building, which is, which is really what I like. I like it a lot, but it's, uh, you know, it is, 
a little bit slower process. You know, there's a lot of handling. There's a lot of, uh, it's a very, very consultative approach. Um, and that's, that's the goal with anybody getting into that 90 days. It's, hey, you know, I'm not going to be, if, if you know you're going to be turning around things quick, great. If you know you're not, what do you need to do to make sure you're in control of those conversations the entire way through? Right. That's uh, I mean, that's a great list. Um, and sorry if it jumped around too much. Man. No, no, not at all, man. The uh, it's 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 artificial to break it into 30, 60, 90 days because there 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 are no delineations in mm-hmm. real life. And and you know this, you're living this. But in case we're talking to somebody out there who's who's brand new in the sales and they're thinking, oh man. You know, I'm 90 days in. I haven't done any of this. Well, unless you're getting fired, it's not too late. Um, start, start today. Mm-hmm. And depending on the business you're in, um, I know I'm six months into a, a obviously still a pretty new gig. I'm still learning my company. I'm still right. learning the people. We've got 2,500 people. We're spread out all over the country, and it's it's a chore to, to meet everybody. Um, so all of these things kind of vary based on uh, the specific circumstances, but I think you've given a, a great outline of you got to know the business first before you can sell it. Mm-hmm. If you're in a trust-based consultative uh, kind of uh, kind of business or industry, then knowing the people, knowing uh, knowing that business in more depth is even more important. Um, if you're selling a product, if you're selling, uh, you know, something you can actually demonstrate, uh, then I would imagine you got to know that like the back of your hand um, right. and, or at least have that as a target in the first 90 days. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's uh, I think that's a great a great list. And I will uh, between you and I. Three months from now, when you've been there for six months. I want to hear what you've what you've learned and what your in retrospect list looks like, because I know I, I've learned. I don't know. I, I see things differently every three months or so than I did <laughs> in the past. Right. Um, so uh, whether we actually get to update our, our listeners here, or I just uh, take you out to lunch to pick your brain. Um, I will be asking that question again. Yeah, um, no, that sounds great. So. You started talking there about uh, kind of the business that you're in and and the managed service business. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you guys kind of focus on small to medium sized companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are the IT or the IT department for most of clients, yeah. Yes. Uh, from CIO down to help desk and virtually everywhere in between. That's right. Okay, so that, just to give people the uh, a definition for managed services in this in this context. Um, so you're really sitting at an interesting space in business today, that intersection of business and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit about some of the ways you see businesses looking at technology um, that that might be misguided. Um, I mean, I see it every day, but I. I I, I don't use this platform to preach to acquire, but if right. you're, as you're out there talking to those small to medium sized business owners, and a lot of times you're getting a very unique perspective on, hey, what's technology all about for these companies? Mm-hmm. Where do you so, see them succeeding? Where do you see them having those mis, misgivings or misguidance? That's so, uh, especially in the SMB or SMB space, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I think it's that misperception. And I, I think I touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, you know, that, that technology is a, is a cost center, um, you know, that it's seen nothing more as, as an expense. Um, and that's what I think is kind of the, the difficult part of our conversations is getting business owners to, to kind of flip their, their, uh, perception of that, but it's also a very achievable, um, hurdle to, to get over, um, you know, but it's it's kind of a very old school mindset of saying, you know, and I, I I keep my costs low because I, you know, I run everything on on servers that I bought ten years ago, and and you know, and networking is just kind of patched together because I didn't pay very much for it, and they're not understanding, you know, well, if you have downtime or if you have you know network issues or or anything along those lines, that you know that that's costing your business, and and it's not really. Uh, a lot of the, the, you know, SMB decision makers don't view it that way. Uh, you know, it's a matter of, of putting the real, real life uh, scenarios in, in their heads and, and talking about, okay, how is this going to affect you? Or if they're, you know, running on outdated software and just saying, you know what, if you had these functions, you know, what, you know, XYZ functions, how, how would that affect your business? Is it, is it going to make things better? Is it going to, you know, make your, uh, your processes, uh, you know, a little bit smoother, you know, if it's a matter of someone that's in a heavy, you know, paper environment, and things get passed back and forth over and over again, you learn how, or you find a way to get them to a paperless environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kind of, what kind of efficiencies does that, does that provide their company that they can, you know, that they, they can take advantage of? So in the SMB space, you're seeing uh, and business owners not necessarily perceiving the risk associated with uh, outdated technology or, uh, you know, some of the things that maybe larger organizations have. The larger you are, the more like you the more likely you've been bitten by these risks. So you see them. Um, So. Do you see a juxtaposition between maybe some of the folks you were working with at Contigix where. And, and I might be putting words in your mouth. I might be wrong here about this assumption that I kind of perceive the the clientele was kind of a little bit larger organization. And because of the service you were providing, part of it was, is risk mitigation. You know, we're not having on-premise, right. uh, on-premise hardware. Are you seeing a different mindset between the clientele? Um, yeah, and, and it's it, I am seeing a different mindset right now. I think it's going to be a, chi- a changing mindset of, as things move forward. I think there are more people that are open to uh, looking at, at, you know, taking their servers offsite and co-locating or, or putting them, you know, in the cloud, which, which is fantastic. And and that's, but it's, it's a slower moving animal than, than with, like you said, the larger businesses, which we dealt with a lot more at Contigics. Either we dealt with larger businesses or we dealt with businesses that had, um, and that's one of the big differences is, you know, a lot of times at Contigix, I was dealing with highly technical people. They understood our product and, and the benefits of, you know, a, a you know, highly secure data center that was N plus, you know, one, uh, you know, from generator to, to server and, and everything along those lines. And uh, that's what they, you know, there were, there were certain conceptual items in there that, that, uh, you know, 
the companies I dealt with at Contigix understood. That's not the same case with the SMBs I'm, I'm speaking with now, but uh, you know, having those conversations or pr- presenting them with you know certain articles out there and everything else, it's you know they're they're the the concepts are starting to change. They're starting to think about things a little bit differently, uh, which is is good for us being in this space and being where we are. That that means you know hopefully more business for us in the future is as kind of the, the thoughts on that. The mindsets on that do begin to change, but for right now, there's you know there are a lot of uh, you know these SMBs that are run by you know uh, families that, that always keep their costs extremely low when it comes to technology, but they don't they don't keep in mind how that could be really affecting their business on the back end. Right, right, yeah. I mean, you talked about the risk of failure. You also talked about all the opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. Of, of a bad process, slow process, uh, you know, inefficiencies and didn't even get to, uh, you know, I know you're headed there. Finding the stuff you tried to you, you did a year ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, if it's all on paper, good luck. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's, exactly. that's the answer. Um, it's over over there somewhere. Good luck. Um, hey, Nathan, thanks so much for joining us and, and talking through some of these things. Where if uh I want to ask the listeners to do something. If Pick out the one or two things you've heard from Nathan that you feel like are completely actionable for you today, that you're going to put into uh, into your business practice right now. And uh, reach out to me, certainly, uh, on, the, on the blog or, and or reach out to Nathan and tell him, hey, thank you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you talking to Jason. I appreciate you being so candid and, and forthright. Um, uh, if people want to reach out and, uh, and learn more about what you're doing now or uh, or do that kind of thing and tell you what they've learned from this, what's the best way to do that? Uh, I, people are always free to email me, uh, and, and uh, the best email would be uh, – I'll get my professional one out uh, in regards to this. It's nathan.keller at atb-tech.com. atb-tech.com, and I will make sure that that gets in the notes for the show here. Um uh, Nathan, uh, you and me, thanks so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Value the friendship and the relationship we've developed over the last few years and look forward to continue having these kind of uh, conversations uh, that we we almost always tend to have over, over lunch um, <laughs> at somewhere that you choose. Because uh, if you don't know Nathan, he does know the best restaurants to go to in, in, in the Lou. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate it. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, take care. Thanks. Bye. You've just heard how to get a hold of Nathan. Please reach out to him. Let him know what uh, what you're taking away from this podcast. Also, if you want to get a hold of me, it's hardwaymba.wordpress.com. Uh, jump on, shoot me a note. Really look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Until next time, this is Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA.